what most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of What Most People Think, the topical comedy podcast that is more than happy to admit that he enjoyed the shit out of the Jubilee. Had a right old knees up, you know, in favour, in honour of her madge, mom, mom, the queen. And with me is, I'm sure, a fellow staunch monarchist, uh, is Leo, <laughs> Leo Curse. Welcome back to the show, Leo. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Did you have any street parties round your way? There was a little one in our street. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't make it down to it. Um, but I didn't. Also, didn't spend my time on Twitter like so many left wing people uh, just mourning. I saw somebody. I saw somebody tweet. Got like 50,000 50, likes. They tweeted uh, this weekend. I'll be thinking about the people who died at Grenfell, the Windrush people. You know all this, all the bad stuff that that Britain's ever done. They're just listing all this stuff, and it's like, man. Well, I'm glad you know how to have a good time. That is, uh, you could just kick back and have a can of Foster's. That's one thing that I've always thought about the monarchy, is, is the reason I've never been jealous of their wealth, because that's what people say, why does his family get all this money yeah. and acclaim? But I would just not swap places. I've never thought that, she never looks, she doesn't look like she's enjoying it, does she? Apart from when she goes to the horses, she, she gets a little cheeky smile on her face, and yeah. then when they fly the, the bombers overhead, and I, I think that that is one sign, that's one good thing about winning a war, is that when you have a jubilee, you can fly an actual bomber that bombed the shit out of another country over, yeah. and no one thinks it's sinister. I, th- I think, yeah, the, the, being, being royalty is sort of wasted on the Queen, because like you say, she never really looked like she was enjoying it that much. You know, she was very much uh, all into sort of um, duty, a sense of duty and responsibility. I think Prince Andrew, showed like he should be the next king he he's somebody who really picked up the ball and ran with it all the yeah. way to jeffrey epstein's island and uh, you know people have a go at him <laughs> for that but come on if you're gonna if you're given all the trappings of like you know he's li- he's literally a prince well, he's gone for sort of like 12th century monarch monarch privileges hasn't he like the kind of stuff you could do in 1204 yeah, and no one like- would have give a shit like sheriff of nottingham played by alan rickman that was the sort of you know <laughs> prince he was going for so just going back to the to the planes, Leo. I mean, what what will future sort of flybys look like? Well, I reckon uh, when, and I'm saying when, not if, the West wins the war in Ukraine, because it isn't it isn't Ukraine versus Russia. It's uh, it's the entire West against Russia. We're yeah. giving it. We're giving all the sort of hand me downs, all our old tanks and stuff to Ukraine. <laughs> so we can we can still we can you know we get we get a part of that uh, victory march. Your um, brother, so, yeah, your brother's tanks, your brother's rocket launchers, they'll still, <laughs> they still work, son. They yeah, still yeah, stop yeah. my, yeah, they're a bit tight. Yeah, the yeah, flex jackets. Start, start this tank going down a hill, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a tank, so be grateful. But, uh, but yeah, like I think when, when we do win, we're going to have, um, the fly past is going to be stuff like Russian shit, like Russian, um, sanction certificates just pulled yes. behind a plane, like, uh, like when somebody, says, you know, Stacey, will you marry me? It'll be that. Just hanging yeah, off the, f- the back of a plane. The future flybys will be reference numbers for account numbers that were held in ISBN. <laughs> It'd just be <laughs> miners of the glory. Yeah, we, 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 we'll sort of have a tribute to not fallen soldiers, but but kind of like clerical staff that yeah. did the paperwork in record time. And then we'll have, then we'll have a toe-by of all the best Russian yachts that were, were seized. <laughs> and, and, and the kids will be able to go and play on them. Yeah, some of these yachts, man, I was reading about, um, one of them is like worth, 
uh, it's like eight hundred million dollars, and it's got actually. I don't think it is a Russian oligarch. I think it's a. I think it's the Saudi guy who died, uh, or the the Emirati guy who died not long ago. But he's got a. He's got a Da Vinci. He's got a Da Vinci painting on the yacht. So if that yacht sinks, which they do sometimes, you saw one like yeah. you know, burnt in the in the marina in, in Wales uh, just last week. If that yacht sinks, it's taken a Mona, not a Mona Lisa, a Da Vinci painting with it that's worth half a billion. Pounds. And that's man, that's gone. Those are you, even if it's painted in oil, you know, I don't think those paintings can survive well, being in the sea. That just sounds like a really working class insurance claim, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, my yacht <laughs> went down, and you'll never guess what was on it. What was on it? Uh, original Da Vinci. <laughs> it's funny with the um, with the royal thing because, like, like you say, there was there was a, a kind of like a, a killjoy element, but mainly mainly online, really, not in the real world. But but I, there were some aspects of the royal coverage which I just I can sort of sometimes see where people are coming from. It's when you get celebrities on i do think there is a problem for the royals now is that you the only people who seem to be willing to sort of be positive about the royals are all quite old you know yeah like lulu or bonnie tyler or alan titchmarsh and there's this strange thing when they tell anecdotes there's this this odd voice that they affect where they say yes oh yeah yeah and and their anecdotes are really shit but they give them a lot of (laughs) A lot of source, don't they? They say, "No, was um, I happened to be at the Chelsea Flower Show, and I I took two steps backwards, and uh, I bumped into someone, and I just thought he was a member of the public, as you would, of course, and uh, it was the Queen, and like everyone knows, it's going to be the fucking Queen. Just get to the point. It's not that great a story, <laughs> and then they give her a lot of credit for just being like a normal human being. She was very gracious about it. She said that you know these things happen, of course, and uh, that just shows her character. And you yeah. go, come. It is I mean, weird, are, just like... Are they comparing her to, like, other other leaders around the world, like Saddam Hussein, who would have had them, like, flogged or, like, yeah, beheaded yeah. or something? But, oh, she would have liked to have done some of that, I'm sure, back in the day. I'm sure she looks back at the history books of having to... When, you know, monarchs could kill people without having to do any paperwork, you know, those but, are the... So you think, you think it was an accident in Paris, then? <laughs> I... I think I think with the Queen, though, like there's that thing where they sit around. And they, it's just it's just odd, isn't it, to have like three or four adults just sitting around kissing ass. That yeah. that is odd. That's not television. Like the the troop in the colour, it all looks fantastic. The yeah. coordination of it, the guns, the flags. But when it's just four celebrities kissing one person's ass, that's fucking weird. Yeah, because the whole thing about the royals is they're not. It's not they're not a celebrity. They're just the sort of representative yeah. of the of the nation. So you know the troop and the color and everything is great because we're showing you know look we're militarily strong and we've got all this pageantry and all this history holding us together. And then when people get into like you know the queen you know saying hello to them and stuff like that, it's not as you know. And also I think I think all the all the sort of mystique of celebrity has has gone now. You know, now that you mm. can, you know, go on OnlyFans and look up Kerry Katona's bumhole for like three ninety nine a month. You know, there's no um... very specific price there, Leo. That sounds like <laughs> sounds like you've just seen been... the monthly direct debits coming. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was just running prices through my head, and I was like, what what would what would Kerry Katona's OnlyFans price be? And I reckon it is about three ninety nine a month. Is she, is she really? Is she... Is she really on there? She made like a million and a half quid on it as well. On OnlyFans? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, look. Ditch the Patreon. 
And go to See, this is the thing. I don't need you putting, you know, putting stuff out there like that. I mean, I've got a Patreon <laughs> here, and this is why we are, you know, roughly ten minutes into the podcast, and you haven't heard an advert yet. So, if you do want to get involved uh, with the Patreon community, uh, it starts upwards uh, of three pounds. Obviously, VIP patrons uh, will get their shout out guaranteed at the sh- uh, top of the show, and a returning patron is Dean Sanders which just sounds like Dean Saunders, who's dropped a, a U out of his name to avoid being identified as the former Derby and Aston Villa ace. Do, fo- <laughs> do footballers still get called former aces? Is that a very 80s word? Ace. Yeah, I don't know if ace would be the... Ace would be like professional. People use words yeah. like professional now. Yes, yeah, it's all, it's all got very boring. I mean, Dean, Dean Saunders, he would have been like the era of football. He wouldn't have been like Dean Saunders. He would have been like the... I'll call it Division Four version right. of Dean Dean Saunders because Dean Saunders was like a real. He was seen as being a real wit of his time, wasn't he? There's was a famous thing of him on the FA Cup bus going to Wembley, and he gets interviewed by John Watson, and like all the players are cracking up, but he's going through the most basic Mike Yarwood esque repertoire of impressions, going, oh, hello, I'm Prince Charles. And they're going, oh, stop it, Dino, <laughs> fucking stop it, mate. He absolutely kills me. Jimmy Tarbuck on the bus with him. All, all the greats, all the greats. Now, what would footballers be doing on that bus? They'd be reading Mao's Little Red Book. They'd be talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, setting up foundations to stop poverty. Oh, my I God. Know. We, we do need a... brains and, and hearts? I, I, miss, I, miss the, I miss the ones like Gaza. You know what I mean? Just uh, like getting drunk on their, like they'd be recovering from an injury and they'd make sure they're drunk every day so they never recover. Would the Gaza's plastic tits, you know, he wore plastic tits on an open top bus. I mean, now, like the level of oversight of these players, they wouldn't get near a pair of plastic tits. Well, if they did wear plastic tits, it would be because they're transitioning and everybody would. Well, it would be seen as an act of allyship. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Yeah, he's going like, that's just how I felt that day. So we will, of course, be talking uh, later in the show about Boris surviving the vote of no confidence and all the issues around that. And we'll be having a quick chat with Leo about something he's spoken about on his YouTube channel, which was a family sex show. Yeah. Uh, which got uh, Arts Council funded. Of course it would. But uh, anyway, we have our super patron, David Domain. Uh, we have, since you've last joined us, uh, Leo, we have a new format point, Domain Talking Point. So he picks up on stuff that we're talking about from the previous week. And in keeping with just mopping up the last of the uh, Jubilee festivities, uh, he says that uh, I note that you were musing which territories still have Queen Elizabeth as head of state. Other than the UK, there are 14 sovereign states that have retained Her Majesty Antigua and Barbuda. Barbuda? Oh, that? that can't be. It's got to be Barbados. That's um, that like somebody trying to say two countries at the same time. Like Bermuda Barbuda. and Barbados. Or, or- or it just sounds like a really rough uh, pub in Glasgow, Barbuda. <laughs> <laughs> Some lassie got glassed outside Barbuda. Um, Australia, Bahamas, Belize, Canada, a lot of these very early in the alphabet. Uh, yeah. Grenada, Jamaica. I mean, Canada's interesting. It's quite a big country to still have yeah. uh, the Queen's head of state. New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia. I mean, Guinea. a lot of these, yeah, Papua New Guinea. A lot of these places are are... Sort of, you know, in the uh, Caribbean, as we all now had. So I grew up with it being the Caribbean, but stuff changes, Leo, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we can't be pasty old gammas just living in our old ways of pronouncing things. I mean, I knew it was going to, I knew there was a problem when some prick in year 10 started saying it's actually Nike. Do you remember when that happened? Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you get to your 20s and it's croissant. What was it in your early life? 
croissant or just just croissant. Do you, want, do you want a roll? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I still, I still have issues saying pan of chocolate. I always have yeah. a moment of tiny dread before I have to ask for it because yeah. deep down I know I should be having a bacon roll. Yeah, yeah, and also, man, you know, you've got to, you got to say it as they say it, but it means you're, it means you're effectively speaking French in a French accent instead of an English accent. Yeah, it, yeah, you, pain, you've pain got a, across. You've got to gauge how much French to put into that. Yeah, I mean, all the pastries, if you want to enjoy a pastry, you have to sound like a prick in the morning. Pain yeah. au raisin, croissant. Yeah. Why is breakfast so fucking French? It's because Britain hasn't produced any good pastries. Like, look at Scotland. Hmm. Like, everything. If you eat Scottish pastries for breakfast, you'd be dead. Well, look, Scottish people are. A lot, a lot of them are yeah. dead from eating, eating that stuff. You can't even have a Scotch egg before, like, 1 p.m. You could, but then you'd need uh, a siesta. Then you'd have to do something else very European. Yeah. That's what happened. That's how it came into Spain, was there was a Scottish sailor that just drugged the locals with Scotch eggs, and all the Spanish had to go back to bed. <laughs> Two hours. <laughs> there's some. Oh, there's some grannies reading about the the partisan resistance in Ukraine. So you know, Russia's taken over like a fifth of the country, but not everybody in Ukraine and the areas that's been taken over is happy about it. And this um, this uh, uh, Ukrainian granny uh, baked these poison pies like in a sort of Hansel and Gretel fairy tale and took them down to the Russian troops and was like, "Here you go, boys. This you look awfully tired and hungry. Here's some pies for you." And they ate these pies, and eight of them died. I I hope that she had a um, a sort of hook nose on her, and was a real <laughs> kind of uh, what was it, what was it the the brothers Grimm type vibe about her? Yeah, a, a boy, a couple of boils on her nose, and she yeah. said, "Oh, you young men would like her." I mean, I'm, we're joking about it. Men did die, and they they may well have been conscripts. So yeah, yeah, um, but they you know they should they they got they knew what they were doing. They had a choice. They were, yeah, I don't want to hear this only following order shit, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't work for the Nazis. It's not going to work now. Okay, so as you know, Leo, we do a quick thank you and a fuck you. Have you got any uh, sort of gratitude and bile that you want to share for this week? Man, I've been I've been trying to think of a, of a thank you, and I couldn't. I've got about 20 fuck yous, but I couldn't think of a, <laughs> I couldn't think of a thank you. Um, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to... I'm going to have to... Oh! Thank you to Cotswold Wildlife Park because I went to Cotswold Wildlife <laughs> well, Park. That was unexpected, and it was it, it was good. It's a great it's a great place because man, you know, you go to zoos like uh, zoos and cities, and yeah. you got a polar bear, and like you know, even Foxtons couldn't shift that the size of that enclosure. It's like it's so tiny. You might as well just shove <laughs> it into a lockup. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And this is this is a bear that like roams across pack ice for thousands of miles. And instead, it's just like living in a bathtub in the sweltering heat. But uh, Cotswold Wildlife Park, they've got loads of space. They've also got um, they've got things like gerbils. And I know you can go into pets at home and look at gerbils for free. But um, they're in this sort of thing that looks like a desert. And they're all running about, you know, making nests and all the rest of it. They've got bats. They've got rhinos. They've got a little train that goes around. Mm. And what I liked about it was they don't, you know, you get on a How much do you think it would cost to get on a train? That goes round the safari park. Well, well, having already paid the entrance to the yeah, safari yeah. park, uh, I'm thinking that well, as an additional charge, anything more than a quid would be a liberty. Oh, right, it was two quid. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was. Well, my, I thought that was really reasonable. 
Um, but you're already in the park. That should be included in the price. They yeah, fucking Ryanair'd you, mate. But they've got, they've got to pay somebody to drive this train. They've got to pay for essential upkeep and maintenance. You get to go all the way around. I thought, I thought Fold it good. in to the to the entrance price. Fold, you know, yeah. just jack it up. Like, like national insurance. Just want to do a stealth tax. But yeah, so Cotswold Wildlife Park. I know, I know we don't have adverts on this, but uh, this yeah. isn't an advert. This is a genuine, uh, a genuine review. I thought it was great. It was it was it was so much fun, and I thought I thought the train was reasonably priced, even though Jeff thinks it was uh, it was vastly overpriced. Well, I haven't seen it. I mean, like if it's, if, if it's a big proper train, it's I not. mean, did I? No, it's not. It's, it's like one you take a kid on. But um... well, look, it's the first thing is what most emailing is what most people think uk at gmail Who's right here? I I got a hunch <laughs> that the, the the listeners are going to be with me that that's a fucking liberty. Um, I, talking of like them having like very everyday animals at the uh, wildlife park. There's one um, that we went to, I went to with the missus, and they just had a fox in there, and it was impossible <laughs> to tell whether or not a fox had just climbed into where yeah. an enclosure where a former exotic animal had died. It was just there. It was just a fox sleeping, and it, and it, it did, did quite a good business with the kids. Um, I also went, let's, uh, let's also do a very sort of paternal type thank you. I, Alton Towers, I've been aware of it. Like when I was a kid, it seemed like some distant, far-off magical land, but... Yeah. Turns out it's just near Stoke, and um, I went there. I went there last week with the missus and the kid, and uh, they had this ride there called the Battle Galleons, which is these. It's hard to explain, but they're these tiny little pirate ships, and you go around this course, and you sort of fire at people on land and in the queue with water. Right. It's such a laugh, and then people on <laughs> people who are watching the ride can pay a quid, and here's yeah, here's another bit of upsell. But they can also fire at the people in the ship, so you basically have about hence hence the name. One of the best laughs I've had uh, as an adult with my son. Just we really felt like we were in a war, and and but but also I we were taking heavy. We were in the queue and we were taking heavy water, and I abandoned my post. And I can just tell that's going to be his first memory now. He's already bought it up. He's already bought it up several times. Daddy, and he keeps saying it like emasculating me in front of my wife, going, "Mummy, mummy, tell tell mummy about how you abandoned your post again." I was like, "Yeah, I mean figuratively, but I'm still paying the fucking mortgage." Um, and how about a fuck you? Have you got a, uh, a fuck you you want to do this week? Yeah, the cinema manager at Cineworld in Sheffield, who uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big mob of about, uh, looked like about 50,000 um, uh, Islamists, if we're allowed to say that without uh, getting arrested, um, that wanted Cineworld to stop showing this film called The Lady of the, the Heaven, The Lady of Heaven or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they wanted yeah. to, because it's some sort of like it's Shias and Sunnis, and it's like um, you know one side doesn't like it. I think that you know the film's sort of um, taking the Shia side, and you know the Sunnis don't like it, or whatever. Mm. So they organise a sort of Simpsons-style mob to go around to go down to the cinema, and um, you know like stuff like Satanic Verses. You know publishers will still publish it to make a point. And the Cineworld manager just completely caved straight away. He just came out with a megaphone. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want. No, we're not showing this film. We're, not, we're never going to show any, whatever film. What films do you like? What films do you want to see? You know? <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw this, yeah. So there was, a, I think the, the protest was for a few, a couple of days. And it was, I mean, there was some quite radical polemic expressed. Uh, it was a, it seems to be a peaceful protest, but it must have felt quite threatening to the guy there because you don't get into 
being a cine world manager to have like big religious based protests uh, on your doorstep. And he came out and he was literally the most sort of Gordon British type guy. <laughs> he had a loud hailer. It's worth it's worth looking for the clip. He's like, uh, just to to let you know that uh, I'm uh, I just want this to go away. Is what he should yeah. have said. And the thing is, is it is a you know it is a democracy. It's a free country. They're allowed to go there and protest against these things. You just feel that if that had been a group of Christians protesting against something with a film that they'd have he'd have just come out of the laid, loud hail and gone fuck off. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll play what we like. We'll play what we like. We're Cine Well Bradford. We play what we like. And then the moment, uh, the moment that they were Muslim protesters, he was like, "Yeah, look, fair point, guys. Fair point." <laughs> Because he came out, he started, you could see, he got like, uh, as soon as they started agreeing with him, they were like, yeah, yeah, no, this is great. He got like, even more, like, sort of uh, into it. And he's like, yeah, it's not us, it's head office. Head office decided. Don't know why they, don't know why they picked this film. I hate this film. And got like, got more into it. But, um, yeah, he, he just ends up saying, by glory be to the prophet. And then, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be, you know, it'd be kind of incredible if it turned out like that this guy actually found God through this process. Like these guys are all uh, patting him on the back and stuff. Yeah. And then bit by bit, he starts to find out more about Islam and he, he finds salvation. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be a real turn of events. How did you find God? Well, it's a funny story. I was manager of Cinewell Bradford and uh, here I am working at a madrasa. You know, it's funny how life goes. Uh, my fuck you is for this uh, thing that's being floated about a four day week. So it's been there's a six month trial involving 70 companies about people working four day weeks, which yeah. obviously the problem is with being conservatives or being right wing is, is there's a stereotype that we kind of like mean this and we just like working people hard. I just my problem with this is that is that will not be for people in everyday jobs, will it? That's not going to be, that's not going to work for people in retail, not yeah. going to work for people in plumbing, fucking people in the armed forces, is it? This is going to be, basically, this would only work for jobs where you can piss about. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you saw it through lockdown, you know, everybody, everybody had like, you know, some sort of uh, wanky job, like uh, working in advertising or something like that, got to work from home or got, got put on furlough, got 80% of their salary for doing nothing, which is the ideal situation. Man, when I had a proper job, if I could have got 80% of my salary to do nothing, ah, just like, that's the absolute dream. But um, if you work at Tesco, there's none of that mm. for you. And like, you're not even getting paid that much. You still got to go in. And this is like, you got to go in through lockdown when we think, you know, we still thought this, uh, this, this disease was like, gonna, you know, wipe everybody out. So they're like getting right down to the front line. And uh, and taking it in the face, like just a little, you know, little face mask. Probably didn't even have face masks and hand sanitizers back then. So I remember it was a while before. They were the most important people. Yeah, they were the most important people in the country at that time. Like if you ask me, what's who's your hero? You know, Banksy drew drew that uh, photo of a kid holding up a, a, a dolly of a nurse and said like it was a superhero. Yeah, mine would have been the little ginger lad at the co-op. Yeah, totally, totally. They were the real NHS. Keeping us. Uh, he, keeping I was us. clapping for him in my mind at eight pm. Little, little, <laughs> I think his name's Craig. He was out there restocking like a motherfucker, and he yeah. was still going back and, and passing through people on the self service tills. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He was alive to that. He's um, he, look. Let's have a Pride of Britain award for Ginger Craig. Okay, let's get into the politics after Boris has survived inverted commas his vote of no confidence.
So just a quick recap. After, well, I mean, after what's it been since November, you know, and the Partygate thing started emerging, there's been talk of a vote of no confidence. And after months of speculation, uh, it finally happened. They held it back till after the Jubilee or, or the Britain's Got Talent final, depending on how you view <laughs> gra- what Graham Brady's into, right? He holds it back. And um, so you literally on Monday morning, the, you know, everyone woke up to the news that there was going to be a vote of no confidence. And, it, you know, people got out of the traps very quickly. And there was a spat, Leo, between um, Jeremy Hunt and Nadine Doris. So Jeremy Hunt, obviously so reluctant to come out and, uh, you know, get involved in any kind of leadership race. Poor him. He's like, look, I, d- I didn't want to do this, but here's a, a knife that I'd freshly sharpened that just happened to be... <laughs> Uh, hanging about, but we got look. We kind of always knew that, that Jeremy Hunt would be like that, and Nadine Doris, who, who who climbed into him, but in doing so, sort of wrecked the record of certain aspects of Tory uh, custodianship of the health service for the previous twelve years. You know, a lot of people pointed out that she um, that she was essentially saying the Tories had done a shit job at the time and weren't ready for the pandemic. But just a point. I mean, feel free to come back on that, but. Don't we all deserve, whatever you think about Nadine Doris, don't we all deserve someone in life to have our back like she has Boris's? Well, it's insane. I mean, like, if I was if I was Carrie, I'd be worried about what's... Because yeah. why is Nadine? She's always coming out so strong for Boris. And particularly when, it, you know, there can't be that much uh, in it for her right now. Like, Boris is looking kind of like a busted flush. I know he technically won that vote, but he didn't win it convincingly. Like, 41% of his party voted against him, which is, yeah. I mean, that's that's getting pretty close to to the tipping point. So it wasn't it wasn't in any way a sort of, you know, resounding victory for Boris. So he's probably, you know, if, if you look at the conference vote in, um, in uh, previous leaders, like I think Theresa May, uh, she got... Uh, I think she did actually slightly better, and she was out, you know, yeah. within six months. So yeah, I think, I, I think didn't do as well as Theresa May is not not necessarily a good thing to have <laughs> by your copybook. I mean, there was there was a point in the morning where people were sort of speculating that uh, that um, Boris might actually just straight up lose. Yeah, and you know, Jeremy Hunt was the front runner. I just and I've said this before: Hunt versus Starmer would just Oof. look way too fucking weird as a pair. Just, just the simple optics of it, and and people yeah. might say, "Well, it shouldn't be about that. We just we we don't want a clown or a buffoon. We want steady stewardship." But the public will look at that and go, "What the fuck? How have we ended up with?" I mean, they look like the same guy refracted through a hall of mirror. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He, or you know, like when you first got those computer games went on ISS Pro Evo, yeah. where you could like make one one of the players really tall and skinny, and then you could squash another one down, but it's essentially <laughs> still the same guy. <laughs> they they just look like two mates from cycling club, don't they? They look like they go to the exact same. Their kids go to the same school. I don't think you could have them as as, as a face off. Yeah, and I guess the argument is that you know we've had we've had you know a few years of uh, buffoonery. Boris, you know, being a sort of, you know, charismatic, but, you know, not in any way uh, um, uh, uh, somebody with an eye for, for detail, not in any way a technocrat. So they want a return to, you know, somebody who's actually focused on the job, you know, things like that, mm. um, which I guess are qualities, you know, which would be good in a prime minister, somebody who actually tries. But um, Yeah, and tells the truth. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, people say Boris doesn't tell the truth. Every knows that he doesn't tell the truth. It's like Trump. Trump lied a lot, but we knew he was lying, mm. so it wasn't really lying. 
It was. Uh, That's yeah. You're right. There's something very honest about everyone knowing you're a fucking liar. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like... the surprise liars in life, isn't it? That really get you. It's like when that person that stabbed you in the back, you go, "Well, I never thought of you." You go, "Boris, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Keir Starmer. You know, when it came out that he attended this party and had beer and everything, and you know, it seemed worse because he's painted himself as this sort of morally upstanding, which is always a bad mm. thing for a politician to do, because we know there's, you know, there's going to be all kinds of, uh, you know, dirt coming out. But, um, yeah, paints himself as this, you know, incorruptible, morally upstanding person, whereas Boris never bothered with any of that. He was just like, yeah, whatever, I'm Boris. Like, uh, and I, I think I think he is still, he is still quite popular, would be popular against, against Keir Starmer, whereas Jeremy Hunt, like you say, it's a very, you know, very similar. I don't even know what Jeremy Hunt's uh, policies uh, are. What's well, he was a, he he's much more pro lockdown. You know, that's worrying for someone like yeah. me that that he's a kind of like far, far more, you know, big when push comes to shove, you know, yeah. he's, there's a, a big state element to him. Um, I think with, you know, with the result, you, you're right in what you say is that you can't really spin it. It's, it's not a good result. And I know some of the toys were saying, even a one vote victory would be enough. You're like, fuck off, Jacob. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's just not true, is it? It's patently not even one vote, even one, even one vote. I mean, that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. it would be, the it would be called the one vote majority or, the, you know, it'd have some yeah. sort of historical word for it. But what will be tough for him now is that when you've got, and this happened to Corbyn after his leadership challenge, that, you know, I think it was about a th- more than a third of Labour MPs voted against him uh, or the membership. Uh, um, oh, no, it was more than that because it was Labour MPs that instigated it, whereas the membership vote, voted for him by about two thirds. So that when he's standing there at PMQs and he says stuff and they go, here, here, you go, is it here, here? Like, do you really agree with that? And, you know, at the end when he's, you know, that that question six at PMQs where he just always says something about he'd have taken us back to lockdown. The Tories end up with more people in work and, and, you know, they clap and they say more. You go, you can't ask for an encore from a guy you just tried to fire. I mean, all things considered, are the Tories fucked now? Um, it really depends who steps up because you never really know until they become leader. You know wh- who they're yeah. who they're going to be and how charismatic they're going to be and how much they're going to grab the nation and uh, and give a give a party direction. So you know, uh, Liz Truss, for example, could step up, could become like a new sort of Thatcherite figure. She's quite sort of um, militaristic. She did a good job. She did a good job with uh, getting trade deals. Um, you know, mm. post Brexit. So you know, she's one of the she's one of the Tories' uh, success stories. I'd have thought, um, and also with the, you know with the rise of uh, well not the rise of Russia but you know with the the increased threat from from Russia, um, she's you know she's got that sort of uh, she seems imbued with patriotism and you know a, a slight sort of jingoism which I think I think can be good for for a country. I think I think the war in Ukraine could actually help save um, save Western Europe. Because Western Europe seems to have been in a death spiral for for a mm. while now, for a couple of decades, um, not just with our sort of open borders immigration, which is and this is the other thing with Boris. Like you look at you vote you vote Tory because you think it's going to be uh, you know fiscally prudent and you know uh, sensible levels of immigration. We had like a million uh, immigrants last year under under Boris, um, or uh, in the last year we've got figures for. So uh, I think I think it was last year. Yeah, no, yeah, a million people came to this country. Uh, yeah, I mean, that has been one of the issues is that 
to do the things that keep getting popularity back with the country, right, yeah. which is going to be high spending. I mean, he's going to fucking spend money like a divorced dad, isn't he? Like every weekend, a new radio control car there just to try and uh, win a bit of approval. Those things are, are going to not be the things that assuage the wing of the party that just don't think he's a conservative. So he'll yeah. have to do the opposite uh, of what they want. And meanwhile, you know, by the time, like as you say, by the time you get to the next election, the red wall voters that felt that he was the guy to perhaps take on like high immigration levels yeah. m- might think that he hasn't delivered there. So... I just think that there's a very small amount of people. There's a lot of people that would never vote. That's what I think for the Conservatives with Boris Johnson as leader now. Maybe too many for them to form a majority. But you're right. The question is, who who else would do it? I mean, Ben Wallace has emerged recently as, you know, gained a lot of admirers. You know, he's got a strong feel about him. Do the public really know, broadly speaking, who the fuck he is? Yeah. You know, did, did, did the public know who John Major was? He came in and he, you know, he won the next general election. And it's often forgotten about the 92 election. Is he had a really good vote share. It was like yeah. 42% and or something it, like that. He went out. He's quite popular uh, when he went out as well. Like it seems in yeah. my memory, you know, when he lost to, um, to uh, Labour, it seemed like a cataclysmic, you know, destruction of the of the Tories, and I guess it was in a way. But um, John Major was uh, was pretty popular, still had the high, you know, reasonably high approval ratings when he when he left. Yeah. Whereas Boris, like his approval ratings are are pretty much as low as they can go. One thing I would say about about power, which I find interesting, is that I've never found political power attractive in and of itself. There is something about the way that people hang on at the very end that makes you think that must be the good shit. Like that must, yeah. whatever testosterone, hormones, or yeah. ego. Like it's like you know people are still smoking even though it's twelve pound a pack. Like I've never <laughs> wanted to smoke. You go, but Jesus, there must be something good about it. I mean, why do why do you think they cling on so desperately? I think it is that like I mean, it, obviously anybody who goes into politics. I mean, I'm sure some people go in because they just want to serve the nation and uh, serve yeah. the public. But I think most people do it because because they want that they want that power and they want to mm. uh, they want that control. And so it's it's hard to it's hard to let go because there's very few uh, there's very few politicians that well go with dignity. They're like they're, they're always yeah. like you know it's the end of a. Um, Hindu and you know the nightclubs trying to throw uh, this woman out and she's she's clinging on you know her, her eyelashes are stuck to her face and that's, yeah. that's how Thatcher goes but um, and you can see in in other places where you know they don't have this sort of democratic tradition so in Africa they've had to set up this fund that um, if you stand down in a if you're a, a country's leader and you stand down in a democratic election you get paid like 25 million dollars or something like that just to encourage you that actually stand down yeah. instead of being like, nah, nah, we're having a coup. Come on, the military, military are taking over. This this election's declared null, null and void. So yeah, people. Really... I love that, like a a fun for deposed dictators there, just yeah. like a like a donkey sanctuary. I mean, with the with the power thing, like you know, I've done a few politics programs. You'll have had it yourself, where you see ministers swan into a building and stuff and they've got their spads their special advisors yeah. around them you know like just that that is must be the narcotic high of it is just having fucking minions yeah it must be cool to have minions to just dispatch and people that are worried when they've given you the wrong information you know you can shoot them a look when you're doing a radio thing and a stat gets challenged you just look at like little josh 23 yeah. year old josh who's just finished his fuck you josh you're gonna get it 
and and not many people have that uh, in life because it's all a route, I guess. Because the reason people love Twitter is because they think it's a place where they can influence the public debate, right? That's that's the mostly the goal of of most people engaged in political discourse on there. Whereas when you're actually in politics, you do have some sort of route to that. And that that is what they all struggle to give up because they sort of think, unless you're the kind of person that could do speaking tours around the USA, right, for the rest, or you've already got a, a, a seat on the board at Shell, it's, it's, it's like, I suppose it's like a comic when you're, when you're working at a level, you know, once you're doing weekends at the clubs you want to be doing it at, that first hint that, you, you know, you might, you know, have to do open spots again, um, <laughs> it, it feels like death. Yeah. And that is why they hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you don't even you don't even need to go to the top of government to see it. Like I worked uh, I worked for Greenwich Council and I worked for Harringay Council. And like the councillors, I think I don't think they even get paid. They don't even get paid, yeah. but they get like a little they get like a, a car sometimes and they get to go to ceremonies and they get, you know, all the all this, you know, a bit of frippery. Uh, it's like being you know the, the uh, uh, being the lead of the rotary club for six months or something. And uh, but you can still see it goes to their heads and they you know they the chest puffs out and they feel all important and like, you know, they're getting to make some decisions. I mean, all right, it's about mattresses being left in an alleyway in Walthamstow. They're still getting to make decisions. <laughs> it must be. We, we, we just haven't legislated for what it feels like to cut a cord on a new Tesco Express in a, in a housing <laughs> development. And that is, you know, at a high level what Boris Johnson's been doing. But he, is it a case now? I mean, I suppose another way of looking at it is that, do, I, I do think that as much as I'd be more than happy if Boris Johnson had lost and there was a new leader and I thought they should have resigned over party game, yeah. I do also see that the, con, the concerted nature of this has been something else. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Like, the, as you say, the level to which it's been kept in the news and, and the, the, the evident coordination politically and in a media sense. But is there a case of, if you know, you shoot for the king, you better not miss? Because there does come a point where they've got no more artillery and the only way you can then leverage him out is constant cabinet resignations. They all seem to have stood by him. Yeah. So is there some fucking way out of this, you know, where he spends enough money that the public sort of, you know, willing to forgive and forget a bit. Is there any route to, to him being able to carry on? Yeah. I mean, Boris is sort of, he seemed to be, well, I see he seems to be Teflon. He seems to come back from any crisis, but, I mean, to be honest, he hasn't been prime minister for that long. <laughs> like he's not like you know Tony Blair. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, he has he has had to deal with uh, with quite a lot. But I think you know, I think the public uh, he won't be popular with with the public uh, this year. Like we're coming up to well, we're already kind of in it a time of uh, um, like the the cr- inflation, um, the cost of living, like fuel prices. Um, all, all of that stuff is really going to make life unpleasant. People are going to see their living standards uh, go down. And the economy is always the number one thing that swings people's, mm. people's votes. And also from an ideological point of view, I think people vote Tory because they want lower taxes and, yeah. uh, and they want you know, a more controlled um, immigration policy. And that is, you know, those are the those are the two sort of big big reasons. And you know, Boris has just been it's been uh, higher levels of immigration than we saw under under Labour, and higher yeah. levels of tax and spend than we saw under Labour. I, I think the next he's still got the privileges committee, hasn't he? Where they're going to also come to their own conclusions as to whether or not he intentionally misled Parliament. Yeah. But uh, but for now, I mean, it's just whether or not. I, I, my hunch is that it's just a long slow death now because these. These, um, it just, it, I mean, the main thing that pisses me off is just I feel like Labour are eventually going to 
whether or not they're the, governed by majority or, or as a coalition, they're just going to win by default. After all these years, they haven't done anything good. They haven't got a great leader or a great vision. They're just going to end up being that guy. You know, like the girl that just dates loads of fucking wrong'uns and there's just some guy called Clive who <laughs> hangs just, around. you just got to be there in the right place at the right time. When, the and then the right at the killed. end, it right at the end, like a lazy shark, right, after yeah. all the other sharks are fed, Clive will just whisk her off in his fucking Austin Allegro. Okay, just going to do a, a quick hype here. We've got some new patrons. Uh, John Bradshaw. As you know, Leo, we always speculate on who these people are based on their names. John Bradshaw is just... Uh, he's got to be a novelist, doesn't he? But what kind of novelist? <laughs> the new... It was not, not a crime thriller, necessarily. John Brad, no, it'd be a political one where it would be really obviously satirical based on things that are currently happening. Right. Like, Do you think that's why he's so, become a patron of yours? He, he's just trying to get a few gags. Yeah, John Bradshaw. It would be yeah. The, the prime minister would so obviously be Boris Johnson, and everyone, all, all, all the centre left types would think it was genius. You know, it'd be it, 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 it'd be it'd be called Blevin Jameson, the blonde mopped bliovating greased piglet emerged from number ten. They're going. This is just so clever. The latest political thriller from John Bradshaw. Uh, we got Siva Bala. Siva Bala. Um, Always, you know, a bit more cautious about taking the piss out of any names that sound, <laughs> that sound uh, Siva Bala. I mean, it just anything Ballerin for some reason just sounds footbally. Yeah. So Siva Bala, I'm going to say, would be uh, the the kind of veteran that stayed at like Roma for 22 years. Right. Yeah. Played until he's 42. Siva Bala. I mean, Siva may well be a, a girl's name, but hey, women's football is. Hey, do you, and, do, you have you many, know, do you have many female patrons? I have some. I have some. I, I see Patreon a bit like, you know, getting your round in in a, in a pub. <laughs> there are some absolute golden women that will, will, will you know, take one for the team. But, yeah. but they're, they're few and far between, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the uh, breakdown, I, I looked at my YouTube analytics and um, I think it's 96% male. Uh, no, Leo, you <laughs> skew male. I would never, ever. I mean, I mean, I think YouTube generally is ninety six percent male. So you may well, you might even be outperforming the demographics. I mean, even on TikTok, just a reminder, I'm on TikTok, but he's um, he's the that is a lot more female, and even there, I'm like two thirds male. You know, right, right. It's yeah. just blokes want to spend a lot of time sitting in toilets on their phones and not talking. Really, I mean, that is one of the big problems. Yeah, maybe I'll start doing some like makeup tutorials or something. Well, you know what you want to do is this is a new trend I've seen on TikTok. And people take take the piss out of me, but I really like TikTok. It's funny. It's an interesting, very democratic, very working class thing. And uh, there's just people that give advice now, and but they do it in this cocky, self-assured way. And they go, let me tell the youngers, right, about how you treat a woman. Yeah? <laughs> you don't, and you just look at this guy and thought, you are a fucking binfire. Your, your life has clearly been a disaster. <laughs> I bet you've been in and out of prison. Do you know what I mean? Like you never settle with a woman. You've got kids you don't see. And then here you are, 5.6 million views later, with your fucking neck tattoos. <laughs> uh, we also got uh, uh, Russell. And when it's a one-namer, Leo, we try and work out where would Russell work that he can't afford for people to know that he supports this sort of uh, this sort of filth. I'm thinking it's kind of like um, some sort of performing arts uh organization you know like public public money sloshing oh around. the arts council 
when they're or the yeah or has, a regional version like the uh, Bristol Arts Council. Has the Arts Council ever funded something that that's uh, that's that's good and worthwhile? Because they did the they did the family sex show. They did, and any time I hear about comedians getting Arts Council funding to do something, it always makes me realise, man, that's like you know you can't you can't have an industry run by who can fill in government forms the best. Sometimes when you do like a gig that has public money knocking about, you you know really quickly is one you're being paid way too much for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it. It's really badly promoted and it's fucking overstaffed. Yeah, yeah. You're going, what is this sort of like Venezuelan like comedy circuit here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you for, uh, for all your support. So as you know, the UK tour is now finished, but the next big thing coming up. He's, of course, uh, Edinburgh. I'm going to be up there from the 12th to the 28th of August uh, with the show. A lot of people have asked me, uh, will it be the same show as they saw on tour? Probably not. I'm going to be trying out new stuff. Obviously, the political situation has changed a lot. So if you come and see it, you'll be seeing plenty of brand new gear. Uh, Leo, any stuff that you need to push, mate? Are you up in Edinburgh this year? No, I'm not going up to Edinburgh. I'm having a baby in September. So, um, oh, well, that, so no promote Edinburgh. that. So, yeah, I'm just doing, um, I'm just doing GB News. And doing my, I do my YouTube videos, so I put a video up. I've got my own Patreon, and um, I, I put a video up every every week. And I do a podcast with a criminal barrister where we talk about um, issues and use and look at court cases. So, um, like uh, uh, Vardy versus Rooney, and um, and Debt versus Hard. So mm. you know, get a bit of a sort of legal perspective on that as well. That sounds like good stuff. So do check out Leo's Patreon, his YouTube, of course his social media, and you'll see him popping up on GB News. Now you mentioned the adult sex show, or is it the no the, the family the, the family adult, sex show? I, the I family sex show. A lot of people's issue. ears would. I wouldn't have an issue with an adult sex show. That's what sex shows should be. But this one was for kids. This is like... well. Hold your fire just just a sec, because that is what we're going to have a brief chat about next. The family sex show, I was just looking through your videos, as you say, your excellent YouTube channel, one of them, I mean, it's about a month or so ago, but the reason I wanted to discuss this is there is this ongoing thing of, for some reason, schools seem to be getting drag artists in and stuff, and it's become, you know, and I think going to to pride marches and, and certain kind of events, that's been going on, on for a while, but there does seem to be a step up in terms of trying to engage kids with things that a lot of people might see as outside of what should be the experience of their age range. And one of these things was the family sex show. Can you So can you explain who, who was doing it and what the content of it was? Yeah, I mean, like, like you say, there is a big move to, towards um, sort of putting children in uh, sort of sexual environments. So um, like we've seen in America, there's a lot of uh, sort of drag strippers. I saw a photo yesterday of like this kid, like five-year-old girl um, tucking money into a drag stripper's underwear. And like, I mean, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's like, what? Who on earth thought that was a that was a good idea? And you know, taking kids to pride marches and stuff, which you know, uh, you know, maybe like I'm sort of opposed to that, not from the point of view of the kid, but from the point of view of the people going in the pride march. Like, if, if I'm if I'm out there, you know, dressed as a, a leather daddy or whatever, uh, I want to be able yeah. to let my hair down and you know, be myself rather than worry about you know kids being able to see me all my bits flapping about. But, um, yeah, like the day the day is for you. It's not for two middle class parents called Josh and Olivia yeah. to to go tick tick something off their things we need to do for our, our modern liberal child list. You know, yeah, so we can it's tell about you. Yeah. Dinner party. 
Yeah, I mean, well, that that is the that is the thing, and this family sex show thing seems to have come from that world of just people in in a in a probably an echo chamber, not being challenged on what was a very shit idea. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and they're still they still think it's a shit idea. So basically, this was a, a arts council funded um, sex show for children, where um, well, for for families, but they said uh, you could bring children any age. They recommended age five and up. And it was based on some really shaky premises. So th- this is uh, they talk. So they didn't do sex. We should be clear. They're not obviously doing they sex, but they they didn't have sex. But they got naked. They get naked in the show, and they talk about yeah. you know penises and vaginas and how it feels good to touch them and all this sort of stuff. Which is man, that's like pretty groomy and mm. pretty dodgy. That's you know that's not okay. And it was all very adult themed stuff um, and talking about. Uh, you know, uh, sexuality and gender and all these thing, things that, I mean, for a start, a five-year-old isn't really going to understand what the hell you're on about. And So it's it's, it's almost a sort of, um, um, you know, putting this stuff, um, like it's an indoctrination into, you know, the whole pronoun culture and, and sexuality and, yeah, things that, fair enough when the kid gets a bit older, like when the kid, I think, leave it till the kid's 68. I think age sixty-eight, you're allowed to find out about this stuff. But you know, but yeah, I mean, just leave it till till they're till they're teens. Leave it till you know they start having the questions, and or you know, if and if people do have questions, if kids do have questions, they, they can ask their parents. This idea of the state should come in and train your child about sexuality, because my my big opposition to it. I'm sure the people who are doing the family sex show had very yeah. noble intentions. They just want to make sure uh, kids are informed and all the rest of it, and they just went a bit far because, as you say, they're in a yeah. lefty guardian echo chamber and nobody challenges them, and they think everybody's got noble intentions. But, man, if you're the next Jimmy Savile, obviously you're going to get a job as a as a you know a performer in the family sex show. You're going to get naked on stage yeah. with your, you know, your dick around in front of kids. And, um, you know, you shouldn't create a mechanism that's easy for um, nonces to exploit. I just think, you know, we should be aware that there are nonces out there and you want to, you know, you want to not give nonces, apart from that, you want to not give nonces excuses. Because all the nonces you see on the, I I love watching those pedophile hunter uh, videos Mm. um, where they, you know, go and um, catch somebody outside an ASDA. Uh, who's on his way to meet, you know, what he thinks is a is a thirteen year old girl, always with a, a a carrier bag with blue wicked and some fruit flavored condoms. Um, but you know, on the, on those shows, the guy, the guys, because it, it always is guys. The guys are always like they think that they're, you know, almost sort of doing something educational or you know helping this this kid find out yes about yeah it. that is often what you hear from it's him, the yeah. same man it's the same mentality it's just these people think that they're they're good because they've you know been discussing it in the guardian comments and i suppose and you know some people that listen to this might feel like you're you're being incendiary you know in terms of you know making you know suggesting that that's a possibility but if you look at where uh, you know, grooming has occurred before. It has occurred in, in trust positions or yeah. people that have ad- adopted, you know, in churches position of moral leadership, uh, or, you know, scouts and cubs, you know, yeah. d- a different level of that. And this is kind of like a different brand of, of moral um, authority. In terms of like, you know, state involvement. So this is, you know, this was, there was government money effectively in yeah. this, but it was an opt-in. You know, parents had to choose... For their kids to come and see this, right? It wasn't a yeah, but I don't. I don't get to opt in to pay taxes for it. 
Yeah, so indirectly it's funded, but what I mean was this wasn't like going in schools and stuff like that. It wasn't being kind of... Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't mandated. This wasn't part of the curriculum. So we've still got a few years left. Mm. I mean, we, until Starmer gets into power, uh, then it'll become part of the curriculum, no doubt. But um, but yeah, this this was, it was quite expensive as well. So um, as well as there are Arts Council grants um, and the theatre gets grants as well, uh, I think it was like 16 quid for an adult ticket. It's cheaper for a for a child ticket, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't cheap. I mean, did like just be being like you know trying to think libertarian, right? So so parents could choose to take their parents here. They're talking about being sex positive. I mean, I was going to try and play devil's advocate there, and I had a question here, which was, isn't being sex positive a good thing? But my brain is just going, yeah, at the right point in yeah. life, like it's I don't I just don't understand how you get to the point where you think that that is a fucking priority for anything is, is to kind of is to, to, to deem it I mean sex positive again it puts a label on something that just exists yeah but it's it's a, it's an incantation isn't it you know being sex positive is good so everyone most fucking sane people like sex yeah you know but we're smutty and we're British and we like to keep it under wraps a little bit you know yeah. and it's, yeah, it's no fun if it's all. This is the way the Europeans have been getting it wrong. They're all like, "Yeah, you know, it's really cool. No one is ever. No one has any hang-ups." You're like, "Hang-ups is where the good bits come from." You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you you need a sense, a, a certain amount of shame for for sex to be fun, and and it just feels it just feels at the moment. And obviously, you know, these are these are relatively small movements. If you look at wider British society, magic amount of. But the, but the drag thing, I, th- I think, is odd. It's just it's simply that it's a very sort of grown-up um, art form. Yeah. You know, I, w- I, would, I, w- I was going to say, you know, what, what would we think if they suddenly st- started putting stand-up comedy in schools? And, of course, the answer is would be, who books it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Because work is work. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll just finish off here with a with a quick letter or two if we've got time. So a question for Leo Curse. Has he ever been in trouble with Ofcom for something he said on headliners on GB News? Have you ever or have you been in trouble with the channel if they if they had words? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, I, in fact I got I got in quite a lot of uh, trouble. Um I said that because there was a couple of incidents um where I said felching um uh, you're not allowed to say, you know, anything, anything sort of sexual. It's, it's the absolute opposite of uh, of an arts council funded show for five year olds. Um, you're not allowed to <laughs> to say rimming. I got in trouble for saying rimming, and I tried to dig myself out by saying, "No, I'm talking about uh, putting salt around the edge of a margarita glass." Didn't work. Um, felching. And this is on a show that goes at eleven o'clock. This was on. Uh, one of them was on that show, and one of them was on um, Free Speech Nation, which goes out earlier. But the trouble with headliners is right. it's repeated at I think five thirty in the morning. So then it's yeah, it's yeah. not a post watershed show. Um, but yeah, then I made uh, and I actually checked. So Ofcom give you this sort of um, big booklet that tells you what phrases in words you can't say so i was gonna mm. i was gonna say because you know there's a yorkshire ripper uh peter yeah. Sutcliffe or whatever so he was uh he was in prison and somebody propositioned him and or he propositioned someone no somebody propositioned him and i can't remember if he beat them up or if uh, something happened but anyway this is a news story we're coming covering so as well as the yorkshire ripper i said we've got the broadmoor but something um, <laughs> mm. I thought it was a funny little, you know, uh, mm. play on words because the guy was trying to, you know, 
Um, I didn't realise it was it was homophobic, but and also I looked in the Ofcom book and it wasn't in there, so I was like, oh, this this must be all right. This must be, you know, I haven't heard it since I was like in the playground, yeah. but this must just. Be like- Another way of looking at that is it was so offensive that they hadn't thought that anybody would yeah. would say on telly. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So I did it. You, you, they, you, you were in a little appendices at the back, you know, creating the, your yeah. own list of uh, yeah, yeah. banned words. I appreciate you coming on the show, mate. And people, if you're lucky enough to catch Leo live at the clubs, do that. Of course, there's all the online stuff, the YouTube stuff, the podcast. Get involved with that. And we will be back here with another episode next week of What Most People Think. And just finally, I say thank you to my guest, Leo Curse. Cheers, yeah. Good speaking to you.